Hello, homies, and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime <laughs> feminist podcast. We're off to a good start, right? I'm Dee this. Hogan, a writer and, <laughs> and editor for Anifem, as well as the owner of the friendly neighborhood anime blog, The Jose Next Door. Hi, I'm Caitlin. Uh, I'm the owner of the blog heroinproblem.com um, and a writer and contributor for Anime Feminist. Hi, I'm Vry Kaiser. I'm a writer and editor for Anime Feminist. Uh, I've died now. But you can still find me by putting Vry Kaiser into Google, where I do all the things. And today we are stumbling merrily forward in our watch-along of the 1990s shoujo fantasy, Shigi Yugi. This week's podcast covers episodes 21 through 27, which takes us through a warrior throwdown, a botch summoning ceremony, dead toddlers, and on to the end of part one. Uh, in case you're just joining us, this is an odd place to do that, but, you know, you do you. Uh, all three of us have watched or read at least part of the series before, so we know what's coming. That said, we want these watch-alongs to be newbie-friendly, so we'll just be focusing on the events in these episodes and avoid future spoilers. And it, it, uh, let's it, get the show on the road. Oh, sorry, what's it, up? No, in fairness, they're, like we're getting to a point where there's really only one other major spoiler I remember, so at this point the audience and I are kind of simpatico. <laughs> yeah, we're getting very close to, to you enjoying this experience um, with fresh eyes, which will be a super fun. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, okay, so uh, let's get this show on the road. There is a lot to talk about this week. Uh, this batch of episodes is basically three mini arcs that have kind of a domino effect on each other. Um, so I do want to try to kind of keep things chronological um, and kind of discuss the plot mm -hmm. points in order. Um, having said that, I was thinking over our last podcast, and I kind of realized that in our excitement about what a good, good boy Toski is, so good. we, we kind of just ignored the fact that he keeps talking about how he hates girls. And, like, clearly none of us are bothered by this, because we never mentioned it, but um, this is anime feminist, so we should probably at least talk about, like, why that why that's not a, an issue for us. I mean... Well, it, it never manifests. It's all lip service. He says it, but he doesn't, like, act disrespectful to Miyaka. Um, Who is the well, only girl he weird, Except for, like, the weird opening where he tries yeah. to, like, kiss her, and then she punches him, and then they're fine. But he's, like, but, yeah. 16. It's, it's posture. 17, but yeah. 17? Oh, he's yeah, old. he and Tamahome are the same age. Okay. Well, it's, it's posturing, and nothing ever really happens with it. Like, it's a little creepy at first, but... After they get that out of the way, then, you know, he's, he, he's fine with everyone. Like he, um, he's perfectly respect, like, I mean, not respectful, but you know, he, he treats Miyaka as an equal, um, you know, he jokes with her and, uh, teases her the same way he teases everyone else in the, uh, in the party. Yeah, he's he's a little bit of a jerk to Noriko, but it feels like a give and take, and they're very cute. Yeah, they razz each other back and forth, kind of in the same way he and mm -hmm. he and Tamahome start start their bromance this week, uh, <laughs> where they where they where their their whole thing is they just like pick on each other, and since it does have that give and take, it's it's amusing instead of feeling kind of mean. Yeah. And and uh, also I tend to read Taski as closeted, like I usually do with the whole. Me holes. too. <laughs> I didn't know I did until this time, and I'm like, yeah, kind of. Um, well, yeah, and to me, it just, it feels more like when he says it, it feels more just like an, an immaturity thing, like, like, ew, girls have cooties kind of nonsense. Mm -hmm. um, so it doesn't really feel like it's, like, it's misogyny so much as just somebody who, who is, who is kind of a dumb kid and says a thing without actually, like, meaning the thing he's saying. 
Um, he also, like, I don't think this comes up in the anime, but, like, the reason he doesn't, the reason he always talks about how he doesn't like girls is he has five older sisters, and um, some of them are just, like, older sisters, or just kind of, like, shitty to him in the way, like, siblings can be kind of shitty to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, like, one of them, like, tricks him into, like, giving her his, you know, ice cream that he bought that week kind of stuff. Oh, no. Um, yeah, and it's kind of like, she'll be like, I'm sick, cough, cough. The only thing that will make me better is this thing you bought. And he's like, you can have it. There's a really cute little um, side story. It's it's cute and problematic. little side story <laughs> that made it into, uh, I think it was the Perfect World uh, magazine, manga magazine that ran for a while with both Genbu Kaiden and Fushigi Yugi in it. Um, and you get you get this this side story that happens actually right about the time part one ends where they're on the boat and Miyaka talks to Toski about like, hey, why don't you like girls? And she's like, maybe we just need to find the right type of girl for you. And she like goes through all these types. And he's like, no, that reminds me of this other sister I had. And so he's like, just not into it. Um, and some of them are kind of funny. Some of them are like actively awful. Um, his older sister, his oldest sister, basically like emotionally abused him. Um, like just spent a lot of time telling him how awful and worthless he was. Um, and then one of his sisters, I hesitate to call it sexual assault, but it's pretty close. Um, she was very busty and like was very insistent that they keep taking baths together, even when he was like way too old for that. Uh. And it's played as it's supposed to be played as kind of like comedic in the in the script. And I read it and went, "This is uncomfortable." Um, so all that having been said, Toski's Toski's sense of like I hate girls kind of makes more sense too. I think. Yeah, um, and like his, I remember reading that his dad was really weak-willed and just sort of let his the whole family run roughshod over him. They kind of just forget um, the dad exists. Like, he does show up in the manga, never in the anime, um, and they're like, where is your dad? And he's like, I'm sitting right here. And, yeah. Ah. Um, so, so yeah, Toski had this whole, like, I gotta go out and be a man thing going on when he when he mm-hmm. ran off to the to Raikaku bandits. And so yeah. that's, that's kind of where he is when you meet him. And I do think he has, like, some subtle character growth throughout mm-hmm. um, in terms of kind of being like, well, maybe hating girls is a bit much, because he and Miyaka obviously have a pretty good relationship, so. Yeah, like, he, um, they he's cute, gonna they have a cute friendship. grow up and grow out of it, like, um, you know, he he's going to have, like, he honestly, like, I think he has probably some of the most balanced uh, interactions with the rest of the cast. Does that make sense? I, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, like, I think he and Noriko interact with the other characters with like everybody very well and very mm-hmm. differently which is which is fun to watch mm-hmm. like he he teases everyone in a way that doesn't mm-hmm. feel malicious and like you know like if he crosses a line like you know he gets punched into a wall shit right back <laughs> um, like, yeah. uh, he gets turned know, into he's, a wall he's, angel he's <laughs> he's he's sort of clueless um in that yeah. way that like it, it, there's no malice there um, no, yeah, and, and actually, the fact that he's the the comedy re- like specifically with Noriko, like it doesn't bother me when he teases them, because you know the punishment is immediate and karmic, and then there's like fucking Tamahome who gets away with it every time, and I am growing slowly to hate him just a little. <laughs> yeah, most mm. most of what Tamahome does this week, I'm actually pretty okay with, and we'll we'll get into that too. Um, in terms of, like, there was a moment about four episodes in when I wrote in my notes, I like Tamahome with a <laughs> yeah! question. <laughs> um, didn't see that coming, um, but we'll we'll kind of we'll kind of get to that as we go. Um, I think that was when during the summoning ceremony when he's like trying to steal everyone's power ups, and I was just having a really good time with that scene. I was like, "Damn it, you're fun!" Okay, that was a cute um, scene. 
It was. Um, okay, but yeah, so I, I did want us to have a little conversation about that because I felt like it was something we should at least address. So I'm yeah. glad we did mm-hmm. that. Um, and with that covered, let's move back into these episodes. Uh, welcome back to Conan Miyaka. Your arm is broken and your boyfriend is evil. Uh, <laughs> you're in a really vulnerable place right now. Uh, how are you and your noble warriors going to handle that? Well, um, let's kind of, so yeah, let's talk about that. I'm going to Disneyland. Well, Caitlin? <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna get hit on relentlessly by the emperor. Yeah, this fucker. Still trash. You know, every scene with Hotahori, I think about like how they could have written him in a way to be kind of a sympathetic, um, like unrequited love. Like so. So this kind of starts with like Miyaka's kind of pretending to. She's putting on a brave face, which she has a tendency to do, um, but she's very upset and kind of I'm not even sure she realizes how upset she is until she like walks by mm-hmm. Tamahome's empty room um, in the manga it is very clear that walking into the pond is a suicide attempt yes. um, in the yes. anime it kind of feels like she's like hallucinating and mm-hmm. does it without realizing what she's doing yeah, um, yeah there's not um, a lot of interesting to me. scene I feel like in the anime because it feels it feels too like the earlier scene where she was just mm-hmm. meeting Noriko like an accident, mm-hmm. like you said. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, it was definitely a suicide attempt, and I honestly, I hate that trope. Mm-hmm. Um, because it feels like it is, um, you know, even when they are rescued and, like, the characters are like, oh, you have so much to live for, blah, blah, blah. It feels like it's romanticizing yeah, it. it like, yeah. um, it, it's r- romanticizing the idea that, like, oh, no, I've broken up. I cannot stand to live. Um Try, you know, and I'm going to tragically commit suicide yeah. over my broken heart. Yeah, I was... And, like, well, one thing I will give the... And the other thing about the manga is um, something they establish in the manga is that the hair ribbon that she has, she gave one to Keisuke, and that was going to be the way she could get home if she had to. Oh. Um, so in the manga, she loses the hair ribbon in um, Kuto. So as she's walking out in the rain, she's thinking, Tamahome's gone. Yui hates me. Mm-hmm. I have no way of getting home, and we can't. We can't even summon Suzaku because one of our warriors is functionally dead. So in the manga, it feels more like there is nothing. Like I've lost everything. Um, it's not just like oh, I broke up with my boyfriend. Um, yeah. And so I think it's more powerful in that sense. Mm-hmm. But I think that's also why it being a suicide attempt in the manga makes more sense. Whereas in the anime, it's right. more like she just kind of. Yeah, I don't know, it, like it's half asleep almost. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I was I was watching this batch of episodes with my with my partner who does not care for this mm-hmm. show, but she pointed <laughs> out that um this that section is essentially the cliff diving scene from the second Twilight book, where she's so sad and depressed. Yes, that's it's, what I was yeah, thinking of. Yeah, the way the way they play it in the anime, especially, I think it yeah. reads it reads that way. Yeah, clearly um, Stephanie Meyer is a big fan of Fushigi Yugi <laughs> um, because Fushigi Yugi came first. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and the thing about it is, like, like Hotohori rescues her, which is great. And there's there's a version of the scene afterwards where he could be like, I know you feel like you've lost everything, but, you know, you've still got me. You've still got the other warriors. We're here for you, whatever you need. Right. Like, we'll and he would have been way. like, oh, what a sweet guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he loves her and he's and he's being supportive. Um, but no, no, that is not how that scene goes. No, of course um, not. The way that scene goes is Hotahori, not only does he pretend like he's been bottling up these feelings for her forever. Oh my god. Which, uh, every time Tom is so gone, he makes out me. with her. Um, that was so frustrating to me. Because, yeah, he's acting like he's been, like, trying to conceal his feelings and fight, you know, fight them off. And he's, you know, he's like, oh, I just can't, 
I can't fight this feeling anymore. <laughs> and I can't remember what I started fighting them for. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, but like, um, he, so he acts like it's just been this big secret that he's been concealing and no one has any idea, but he's been very upfront and very aggressive mm -hmm. about him the whole time. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's just really irritating. It's a, yeah, I don't it's know. A, I, there's a version of this of this world in there's a version of reality in Hotohori's head that is like slightly to the left of the real one. Um, <laughs> and he, uh, he just he seems to think things did not go down the way they actually did. Um, and he either, continues to not make things better. What were you going to say? Uh, e either that or he assumes that Miyaka has the collective memory of a goldfish. And Which, now that <laughs> to be fair, he did just find her a lake. So. Like, he's gone now. Maybe she forgot that I had the hots for her. I can try this it's again, right? It's been so long. And I know part of that is also that time is not well established in the anime. Like, they were traveling for a while. And I think the last time he macked on her was, like, right before they met Toski. Mm. Um, but still, dude, yeah. you've not been, you've not been subtle. Anime does uh. not have a great sense of the passage of time. Like, no. um, there's been a couple, I think they've like referenced a couple of times that it's been a few months. Mm -hmm. It yeah. has, it's been at least a few months. And I think it was a few months before she left the first time too. So, mm -hmm. um, like a, a significant amount of time has passed, but because we don't necessarily get that feeling, like maybe Hotohori hasn't said anything about it for like months. And so he does feel like, but I, it's still shitty. It's still shitty to pretend yeah, like you've right. never, like, you've never told her oh. that you care about her when you've told her at least twice. I think three times. And and the moment Tamahomi leaves view. Mm -hmm. Like, literally. Yeah, like she's in a really vulnerable place, too. Like, he kind of takes advantage of the fact that Miyaka is in a very vulnerable place yeah. when he does this. Um, I don't think he, I mean, I don't think he's consciously taking advantage. Um, no. No, but male privilege, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially like, Hotohori's. Not... Uh, especially Emperor privilege. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then he, he, he continues to be very frustrating because uh, Bizarro Tamahome shows up to, you know, finally, finally kill the priestess. And, like, I totally don't blame Hotohori for being like, fuck, that's not going to happen. I'm going to stop him. Mm. Yeah. Um, but then, but he locks her in a room. Like, oh! right? like he, he, he just, he denies, he denies Miyaka agency in a way that the rest of the warriors don't. And it's yeah. very frustrating. Like, he's, he's clearly, like, he takes control of her a lot. Uh, in a way that the other characters don't. Like, the other characters, they more or less respect her as their leader. Like Yeah, yeah they want to support like, her. Like, like yeah, she's, like, kind of ditzy, and there's plenty of times where they have to be like, Miyaka, Miyaka, no. But she's still, yeah. like, very much the one calling the shots. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas Hodohori clearly is, like, thinks he knows best for her constantly, um, even though I don't think he's that much brighter than she is. No. <laughs> and I would like, agree with that. <laughs> and, like, is, so he's just trying to control her all the time. And yeah. I'm sure it has to do with him being, like, you know, the emperor, the young emperor of a country. But, like, it's just, it's so not okay. And, like, oh, I can't believe it. And he's treated in the narrative like some tragic romantic hero who's just hiding yeah. away yeah um i think that's the without ever yeah. being the, the, called out the most uncomfortable part is that like we're implicitly supposed to mm -hmm. to feel for these actions he takes like if he was just like the yeah. shitty guy who clearly didn't respect her uh, as a character we could work with that mm -hmm. but no 
or if or if he grew mm-hmm. like if he's st- because they, they kind of set it up like there's going to be an arc with him like early on when he's like I'll order Noriko to um, get along with you Miyaka's like you can't order people's feelings dude um, I mean, it feels like that's supposed time. to be an arc, and there kind of is, and we will talk about that mm. after we after we get through the Bizarro Tamahome stuff. Yeah, because um, I do I do want to talk about that that kind of final scene Miyaka and Hotohori have mm. together. Um, but there's not. It doesn't feel like there's because it feels like he's still doing a lot of the stuff that is frustrating about in terms of like not letting other people make their choices. So he locks Miyaka in a room, and Miyaka, um, not one to sit passively by, uh, bless her for that. If nothing else, um, climbs out of a window. Um, to to uh, <laughs> see if she can see if she can have something to do with this. See if she can uh, stop this fight. Um, and she kind of stops the fight by distracting yeah. Ta- Bizarro Tamahome long enough for Dory to stab him through the middle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you know offers her life up so that why does she offer to let him kill her? Just because she she. He's dying, just and cause? she basically she's 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 freaking out. She's she's freaking out about the fact that this guy she loves is dying, and she's like she's like fine, you can you can kill me, but you have to get better. Like you have to. I need you to. Basically, it's this sense of like, I don't want you to die so much that I'm willing mm-hmm. to risk my. I'm willing to die to make that happen. Um, and obviously, that has a lot of issues. Um, but they both. I feel like they both do that. Like I feel like Fushigi Yugi really plays on this idea of. Um, I guess sacrificial love. I'm not sure if that's yeah. quite the way I want to word it, but that is that's 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 the words that came out of my mouth. Yeah, which so. I'm not super huge on as a theme. No, um, I'm not either. But in I don't know in the moment of Tamahome bleeding out um, on the steps of the palace, um, I I sympathize with her. Like I I get why that is her reaction. Like I'll do I'll like bargaining. Like I'll do anything. I just don't want you to die. Um, I guess I just yeah no like. Like, honestly, like, that, that trope has um, sort of, since I, I left my teen romantic phase, um, been one of my big, like, irritants. Yeah. Like, whenever yeah, no, I understand. It's, and I think it's harder to sell, too, because there's no way that Tom, like, it's very clear there's no way that Tom Homeway's going to die. Yeah, but at this point, he is still evil. So, like, we know Mitsukake's standing right there and can, like, and can, like, heal him. So he's probably not going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, but... But like, like he is still, but he's still a bad guy at that point, and and then Miyaka's love makes him not bad anymore. Yeah, no, that, that, that's what I'm saying though. Is like those moments that oh, are stupid. If but I think, can can we like just uh, insert a clip of the Huey Lewis in the News song? That's the power of love, right here. <laughs> yes. Nice. I don't think we have the rights to that, but you know, uh, we'll just I mean, ask yeah, our listeners to uh, listeners just go find it on like Spotify or YouTube or something and just play it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, I have to admit, though, that scene when he when he comes back to himself and like clearly doesn't remember anything, but is like, "Oh, I'm sorry," and she's like, "It's okay. The moon's up now." And I, I'm, I, it gets me. Aww. It gets me, you guys. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big. It's not a great. We've talked about this before. They're not a great couple. Most of the time, I don't. Re- I'm not really rooting for them or really like feeling yeah. anything about their relationship. But something about that fucking scene. Every time I watch it, um, it it hits me. It's just I don't know. I like it. It's very well played. Yeah, no, the bit where he wakes up is, is nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the end of Bizarro Tamahome. They they heal him. Toski has to go another day with multiple broken bones and contusions. Yeah, uh, uh, apparently uh, fuck Toski. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mitsukake can only do it one per day. And I don't know, if I were Miyaka, I would have said, hey, that guy's bleeding internally. Help him. I just have nice. a broken arm. It'll be okay. Yeah. Um, 
But Mitsukake uh, is terrible at conserving his spell slots, and they are very. He only has one spell slot. Is the thing, and and Tamahome was bleeding (laughs) out, so they really didn't have a choice on that one. Yeah. Um, I also could. The other thing is, we don't see it, but I could totally see Toski being like, "No, help her first. I'm fine." Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like Toski makes a big show of like. Toski is totally the kind of guy who makes a big show about whining and complaining, but then it's like, no, no, no. It's good. Take care of her. I'm just going to sit here and bitch for, like, you know, another two yeah. hours. Oh, I wish we could have I seen do, that. I do love that. I love that little scene of Mitsukake healing, of Mitsukake, like, banishing him up, and he's yelling at him. Mitsukake is like, lists off all his injuries and is like, nothing I can do will kill you. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're unkillable, I have decided. So, oh, And I yeah. hope that is true. I um, wish so we yeah, had that's... gotten to see more of Mitsukake, by the way. I'm sorry. I'm, like, leading us on a tangent. But, like... No, no. I agree with you. Whenever we see... Whenever... He, he's so, like... He's just got this very dry sense of humor. He really does. Um, it's very good. Um, I've talked about in the in the uh, visual novel. He... You get a little bit more of, of the Mitsukake sass and the fact that he's kind of just done. Um, there's a pretty good scene on the boat where Toski spends like the entire trip seasick and he just keeps like complaining to Mitsukake to fix him. <laughs> and Mitsukake is like, I'm not burning my one spell splat every day on your seasickness. And I don't have a lot of like, you know, ingredients for medicines out here. So he basically says like, we may as well just let him like drink himself stupid every day. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Toski's like, Toski's like, kids. shut up. You're not my ma. And they have this really fun, like, like clearly do not like each other kind of dynamic. And uh, then Chicherry comes out and trolls Toski for a while, and uh, it's it's a it's a fun scene. I wish there was more of that in the anime itself. Um, the visual novel lets the characters kind of ensemble cast, fool around, and it's I pretty should, good. I should play. I should play the visual novel. You'd have. I think you'd have a good time. It is not without its issues. Some of the plot points, like they streamline things, and it's stupid. <laughs> but like they handle they handle Noriko a lot better um, in the visual novel. As long as you don't play their route. If you play their route, there's a lot of that. Like, well, I feel like a man now because I like a girl kind of thing, which is really frustrating. Um, but if you don't play, if you don't play Noriko's route, like there, you could theoretically play the game without finding out that Noriko is assigned male at birth. Um, and then they're just, oh, then they're just a, a lady the whole time. Mm. Um, but You're like the characters are a lot nicer and there's no like shitty jokes really. Um, Toski makes a couple of comments, but they're vague enough that it, it doesn't necessarily, it feels like it could just be them. Like it could just could be Toski giving Noriko shit about being like super strong and kind of temperamental. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, the visual novel is, it's fun. And there's a translation out there for you, Caitlin. So, (laughs) okay. um, Hook me up with that later. That, Uh. that, that would help a little bit, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, the, yeah, the stuff with Mitsukake in the, in the game is, is fun and it helps kind of supplement, uh, the fact that he really doesn't get to do anything in the anime. Um, but yeah, okay. So that's the, that's the. That's the first kind of arc, Bizarro Tamahome. Um, and then we're kind of like revving up for the summoning ceremony. But before we can get to that, we get to what I like to call the love triangle that isn't. Um, which is <laughs> because, and I really, I love, there's this sense in Fushigi Yugi that someone told Watase she had to have a love triangle in this story. Yeah. And she went, fine, I guess. And then really just kind of played with the tropes because, um, uh, Caitlin, you were mentioning this in the Slack group that we that we chat in, um, that... Um, Miyaka never's really into Hotori, like at all. No. Like, 
it, there's never any question who she's going to go with. Like, yeah, it's always Tomahome all the time. She never looks away from him. The only time she ever like remotely considers straying is when, um, you know, he's evil and has attacked her, and she's super vulnerable. And Hodahori's like, "Hey, just come settle for me." Yeah, <laughs> it's it's that song from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Settle for me. It's a good song. Everyone should YouTube that too. <laughs> Um, that's Hotahori in, in these moments. Um, and I like that it was like, I'll just say it was like, okay, the boys have to fight over her, but works it in such a way where like one of them is cursed. So it's not even really like a stupid romance triangle, like fighting over the girl. It's like, this guy's evil right now. So yeah, the, um, the I do, I do like the way the love triangle in this does not really follow the typical, like very tired love triangle mm-hmm. pattern. Um, and you see that sometimes in shoujo manga where it, it does feel like it was the editor forced an issue. Yeah, um, I saw that in From Far Away as well. Like there was a very brief love triangle that resolved itself pretty much immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of felt like the editor being like, "Nope, you got to have the love triangle," um, because that that is the sort of trope that editors uh, do demand. To yeah, have it's like it's like manga. this is how we inject conflict into this romance. Um, um, so anytime series can kind of like subvert or play with that, I appreciate it because I'm not a huge fan of the. I'm not a huge fan of love triangles in general. I'm I'm okay with like an unrequited love situation, um, but when you play it as like a like a triangle, it, it gets obnoxious. Yeah, um, um, it, it has to be done really how, well. Yeah, uh, well, uh, how in um, the Hunger Games, apparently, Gail was originally supposed to be Katniss's cousin. Um, oh, I did not know that. Yeah, I mean, this is I I, I don't know how confirmed this is. Like, okay. Um, <laughs> But, like, I, I read a thing on the internet, which we all know is the most reliable source of information. Yes. Uh, I, I, I mean, I'd buy Gail... it because all of his scenes that are supposed to be romantic feel super forced. Yeah. That, but, yeah. like, Gail was supposed to be Katniss's cousin, but the editors were like, hey, you know what's really popular right now? Twilight. You know what Twilight has that people, like, are arguing about? A love triangle. A garbage love triangle. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, okay, we shouldn't so, we shouldn't go down the. I, I was like, I'm about to I'm about to launch into a Twilight rant. No one wants to hear that. It's been no. years. It's not even really relevant anymore. No. We can we can <laughs> we can slide past that. Yes. Okay. Um, so I did want to kind of talk about. Um, it's the one scene where I think Hotohori does a not terrible thing. Um, Miyaka goes to talk to him before the summoning ceremony to basically be like, "Hey, so I'm. This is probably obvious, but like, I'm not into you. And Tomahome and I are together, and that's kind of how it is." Um, and she frames it in a way that is very, I think, relatable in that she apologizes for not yeah. liking him back, um, and kind of talks about like she feels like you know he's given her so much assault um she doesn't add that part (laughs) i added that part um but she feels like he's like given her so much and that she hasn't given him anything Mm -hmm. back and i will give hotahori credit here he does not realize that he's been a shit heel this whole time but he tells her no you don't have to apologize those are your feelings and those are those are those are fine um and he's like and you know you're gonna save my kingdom and that's that's something that's a that's a lot um so I do have to give him some credit for not doing that that shitty thing that that happens a lot of the time in in both fiction and real life, where it's like, "But I love you. Why don't you love me back, you asshole?" Um, so uh, yeah, I will I, mean, I will give him I credit if that holds. Yeah, and, yeah. And the, well, he's written um, out of the show by the end of part one. So yeah, he's he, he they get on a boat him. and they leave his ass. <laughs> yeah, like he he is not there for a long time, which 
actually kind of makes me wonder if, like, they just didn't know how to write him if he's not, like, pursuing Miyaka. Like, we can't... Yeah, Watase like, might have been done with him. This. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We can't continue yeah, But he has so triangle. many other great, great character traits, like, um... Like, he's very vain. Pretty uh, hair! Very entitled. He has pretty <laughs> hair! He does have pretty hair. And stupid shoes. Um, I mean, that's just historical. <laughs> I know, but they're still stupid. Um, yeah, so at this, so I was watching that scene going, well, Hotohori, you, you, you done good there. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of proud of you for, at the very least, not, not uh, at the very least, like, not blaming Miyaka for, for not wanting to hook up with you. Um, and I do... The flashbacks of him, like, as we've talked about, like, the fact that he's put her on a pedestal and he's really in love with the idea of the priestess of Suzaku and not with Miyaka herself and how that sucks. And it's probably one of the main reasons Miyaka doesn't like him. Um, but the flashbacks of him as a lonely little kid do do make me feel kind of I find him a little pitiable because he's like, maybe someone will love me for myself and not for be not for like this title I have. Even yeah, though he does the, he does that to her. That's so and I don't think he, it really like, he's is literally loving her because she is the priestess of Suzaku and not who she is. And, you know, maybe maybe like he did, like uh, if the show had addressed like, yeah, at first, like I had I was in love with you because uh you're the priestess of suzaku and you're this idea but then i actually did uh come to fall in love with like your personality um and fall in love with you for you but that there's so much in the show that like it's just on the edge just on the edge of being like good and handling things well but yeah. then it just doesn't quite close the deal and i mean yuatase was a really young writer when she made it Mm -hmm. um, you know, this was only her second series, um, but it's just it's so frustrating sometimes because, like, you know, like I said, I think we're really a lot softer on the show than a lot of people are. Like, um, you know, I think most people who um, are looking at it through a critical eye come are much harsher about it than we are. Oh yes, I hear about it on the um, weekly. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Like, so, but, um, you know, there, there's still just, like, there's so much stuff that's, like, just seal the deal. Please, come on. They're so close. Um, yeah. It's, it's a series, it's one of those series where, um, I learned this term from Vry when we were talking about Lovecraft a while back. Um, it, it's like a, it's like there's a fix fic quality to it where like if I could reboot anything it would be Fushigi Yugi because oh, it's so close to being really great I and I'm mean, like okay if we Gen just make Bukaiden, these changes um, we could have does a really exist. huh Genbu Kaiden does exist it's not it's not exactly a reboot but it is it no. is it does improve upon the central structure of the story in a lot of ways yeah. um I, I mean there is good so. stuff in Fushigi Yugi and I think you know it's it's worth talking about and engaging with but you do have to meet the series mm -hmm. more than halfway <laughs> Like a yeah, lot of do. and time. I think well, and you have to be aware that it was written in ninety two, animated mm -hmm. in what ninety six, ninety seven. Um, yeah, 90, I think it's ninety five. There's a lot of there's a lot of flaws in terms of like um, sometimes with the narrative, especially in the second half, which we'll get to eventually, um, and sometimes with um, the not necessarily the things the characters do, but the way the series frames what they do, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Like, 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 it's okay to have characters who are kind of shitty, but then if you don't, like, 
if if you act like that's okay, mm-hmm. then you've got then you've got a a, a narrative flaw. Yeah, um, yeah. But there's a lot of emotional honesty and rawness to it, which I think is I think is what drew me to it. Um, and and still like like mm-hmm. rewatching it now, I'm like, there's there's still a lot here to like as long as you kind of go into it going, okay, well. Yeah. It's messy. It was written by a 22-year-old. It was written in 1992. It was this, that, and I think that that helps a little bit. Or that could yeah. just be nostalgia talking, because I do. Um, I mean, I still, I still have fond memories of it. Yeah, um, I completely sure. agree. I completely agree. Because, um, you know, like I've said, um, you know, I was 12 when I started watching Fushi Yugi, mm-hmm. um, and I think that rawness was what drew me to the series. And I, I think Fushi Yugi is majorly instrumental into me becoming a long time anime fan. Mm-hmm. Um, Same here for sure. Because, you know, there was this, you know, this edge to it. There was this emotionality to it that you really didn't get in like American cartoons so much. Um, but it know, still had all the, it still had all the, like the, the action adventure and the lots of stuff yeah, happening too. And like, yeah. So. And like, but like, um, you know, like American cartoons in the nineties, it was like, what? Like kids shows, uh, the Simpsons and Disney movies and Disney movies like you know they, like they have like I don't want to trash on Disney they have a lot of um, you know a lot of good stuff about them like mm-hmm. you know I, I, I grew up watching Disney I love Disney yeah um, me too um, but it's very polished there's not yeah there's not a lot of rawness to it which Fushigi mm-hmm. Yugi is raw um, which you know like it is much closer to an actual teenager mindset which um is to its benefit and to its detriment i think yeah because um like i said that rawness is really appealing to teen audiences um but as adults like you can look at it and be like oh this is actually like uh, these are not great ideas that it's putting through like this is not like something that i would be comfortable with it teaching teenagers um right like it, it feels like in exchange for the rawness of the 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 bigger like the more cutting emotional moments is this fact that it did not polish uh some of the more harmful messages that were maybe packaged yeah. in with that yeah mm-hmm. it the sense i get is more that it wasn't the series isn't how do i put this i we talked about this a couple of weeks ago too like how my love story really feels like it's trying to kind of be a guidebook for teens in terms of romance. And Fushigi Yugi feels more like it's a snapshot, I guess. It doesn't feel like it's necessarily lauding things as it is just like, this is, this is kind of how it feels. Um, right. And, but, and art imitates life, but then life also imitates art. Yeah. And so, so I think that you line? still do need to be able to take some kind of a stance and, and um, kind of steer a story in a particular direction. I don't think Fushigi Yugi does that. Especially well, all the time. Every once in a while, I think it. I think it hits on some pretty on some pretty nice stuff. But uh, yeah, there are some there are some issues, and we're going to get into some of those going forward. Um, we still have quite a bit of the uh, story to talk about. Um, the next, yeah. So the next plot point, um, I wrote down summoning ceremony, and then my discussion notes for this section just say "sorry, homie," and then I started giggling again, <laughs> and I couldn't stop. Like, um, sometimes so I'm sorry I'm not watching the dub. <laughs> It's there are some good things. Yeah. So um, uh, for our for our listeners who who don't know, um, I tweeted about this and then I then I talked to Brian and Caitlin about it in our in our group chat too. Um, in the dub, there's a part where uh, Tamahome and Toski are chasing Amiboshi um, as he's trying to escape, and 
Tomahome, I mean, sorry, Toski busts out his testin and he's like, Rakashina, and he uses his fire and he roasts Tomahome. And it's basically like him kind of getting revenge for Tomahome beating the shit out of him back when he was evil. And um, so Tomahome grabs him and is like, what the hell, man? And uh, in the sub, Toski just says, sorry, Tama, I had to do that. Um, the dub could have changed this line to make it clearer what he's talking about. Like, like the second part of this line is payback's hell. And I actually think that's a pretty good translation. Um, I think that's a fun, a fun shift. Um, but instead of sorry, Tama, Toski gets to say, sorry, homie. Sorry, <laughs> homie. Payback's hell. Um, and oh. these, are the, these are the unique joys of a 1999 dub that uh, you just can't get anywhere else. I hope that there's fan um, art out there of Toski wearing, like, parachute pants and a backwards oh, baseball God. cap. Toski the hip hop bandit reminding you kids to stay in school. <laughs> yo, yo, yo. But anyway. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, about about that summoning ceremony. Yes. That is actually sort of like going back to that rawness. Um because I don't think I've ever seen a show where the main characters fuck up quite this badly. Mm-hmm. Um it's real bad. And um, so like just that feeling of like, oh no, like, oh my god, this is like a mistake that they cannot just fix. Like, mm-hmm. there is no, like, there is no turning back from this point. Yeah, and, and it turns just... out there is something they can still do. So it's not like it's the end of the road, but mm-hmm. they still, but it's still, it's going to be hard. It's not like they can just snap their fingers and this failure will go away. Yeah, like. Um, they they fucked up in a big way, yeah. Um, and that's um, like they. I think that was really handled really well. Just like this sense of like they're 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 lost for a minute. They're like, yeah. What are we? What are we going to do now? Well, um, and Miyaka has this feeling of like a lot of people went through a lot to get to to get us to this point. Um. And, you know, and now it feels like that pain meant nothing. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's a very rough moment for her. And I think as a character, like, she, she I think she shoulders a little too much responsibility here. A little bit um, self-flagellating. Well, I mean, but, I yeah, mean, and, and she does that. I mean, She's always done that. Yeah. Um, but it is good to see her go, we screwed up. And now this and now like this thing we were building mm-hmm. towards is gone and i'm so frustrated and angry at myself for this like mm-hmm. i think it is good to see her taking some res- she takes again i think she i think she's a little she's way too hard on herself here yeah. but it's good to see her taking responsibility for this yeah and and because um, um, especially when you think about her like in the early episodes when she was like oh sweet yeah i can i can ask the gods to like summon a horde of hotties for me and mm-hmm. i can pass my school test without having to try um yeah i think she's i think no, she it- has grown for sure and, and even though, like, they, they can go back and get the Shinzaho to to put it in a way that is not spoilery, but still, like, the sacrifices that they end up having to make that they wouldn't have had to do otherwise, they yeah. are huge. It's, they're going to go through a lot um, because they screwed up. Like, the... Yeah, the the repercussions are are significant in a way that, like you said, like in a lot of I think in a lot of fiction that it doesn't happen that way. Um, yeah, where you fuck up and you do, you like... really have to live with those with those consequences. Yeah, it's it's 
And I, I, it's one of those scenes that I really like with the in-universe. Like, all these characters have no reason to believe that anything is going wrong. I think the Wishes segment is very cute. Um, I, I cry a little for Noriko because I'm so sorry, baby. I'm so sorry that there isn't reassignment surgery for you in ancient China. I'm so sorry. I know. But, um... Like, from a stepping back from a narrative position, it can be kind of frustrating because all the characters are absolutely acting to the best of their knowledge. But as a viewer, it's like, clearly this fucker isn't supposed to be here. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, well, the manga was probably a big shock because you didn't have an opening theme mm-hmm. assuring you that, that this character wasn't supposed to be mm-hmm. here. Um, so I, I bet it was more of a surprise for a manga. Absolutely. It was like, oh, I never thought, I never, yeah. su- I never suspected that either. So you could kind of have that feeling with Miyaka as well. Whereas I think for the anime viewers, it was more like, I knew something was up with that guy. Um, so, and then Miyaka has this brief moment where she kind of tries to, she has, she has faith in Amiboshi in a way that is probably not earned, but, um, <laughs> but then he falls into a river. Well, so that's that. Miyaka definitely has, has, People don't need to earn her faith in them. No, uh, and it's very it, trusting. It, and it's very hard for them to lose her faith. Like she doesn't. I don't think she finally decides that Nakago is an irredeemable asshole until after Tamahome's family gets murdered. Like I think that's how long it took for her to go. Oh, Nakago is is the absolute worst, and we have to stop him. Um, like she she has a lot of and I you know I, I wrote in my notes naivete versus faith, and I'm like I'm not you know there's a there's a thin line there. Um, but she's, she's very convinced that, that they can talk Amiboshi down off this cliff. And fun fact, in the visual novel, if you, uh, if you get a couple of favorability points with him, you can, um, and he turns him and he turns himself in and becomes a prisoner of war. And, um, then Suboshi doesn't murder anybody. Oh, that's great. Oh, so (laughs) it's great. Um, he actually doesn't murder the kids in the visual novel. The visual novel was like, that's a bit much y'all. Yeah. Um, But he, he will, if, if, if Amiboshi falls in the river, if you fuck that up and he falls in the river, um, Suboshi will kill Tamahome's dad. Um, but the kids are okay. Because Suboshi has standards. <laughs> he realized, all right, this is a bit blatant heartstring tugging. This oh, is a I little. I draw the line at toddlers, and it's a very, it's it's a very sad scene. In the I've played, I've played both versions in the visual novel, and it's really nice when Suboshi doesn't kill anybody. Like you still meet him in the village, like he's doing some recon work, and he 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 fights with you a little bit, but it's not a. He's like he's like return my brother to me. How dare you take him prisoner? But he's not like that upset. Um, and then the other the other version where Tamahome's dad is dead is very sad because Miano Mamaru plays Tamahome and he 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 acts very well. Um, so, but then the kids are like the kids comfort him and they have a little they have a little it's kind of sweet in in its sadness. Um, so he's able to take his family back to the capital and the kids don't die and it's nice. But oh good. This that is does not, not that happen universe. in the anime. No, that this is not that universe. In this universe, Amiboshi falls in the river and a lot of toddlers die. <laughs> um, but we will get there. Um, the other thing that happens in this little bit is Chiriko joins the cast. Uh, Chiriko is played, the actual Chiriko, please stands up. Um, and they are, pl- they, she, she, God, he. So when I watched the anime, I was convinced Chiriko was going to be a girl based on the character design. And then they started talking and I was like, oh, it's a girl. And then they were like, he, and I was like, oh, okay. So I still have this part of my brain that wants to use um, the pronoun she on Chiriko, but he joins the cast. Um, he is played by Kawakami Tomoko, who you Aww. will know as Utena. Rest um, in peace. Who, yeah, rest in peace. Um, as soon as I heard heard her voice, I got I got real happy, and then I got a little sad too. Um, 
But yeah, so Kawakami Tomoko joins the cast as Chiriko, and I really have nothing else to add. Chiriko doesn't really get much of an introduction. Oh, uh, God, he's, he doesn't He's do very anything. smart. No. He's very smart. He saves them with a leaf whistle, and um, I guess he kind of helps Hotohori plan their trip up north, and that's about all you get out of him this week. He was like the uh, next town over and is psychic, but couldn't think to get there like an hour earlier. I know. But he's not right? he's not psychic. He's 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 very intelligent and can read the stars, which in this universe means that you actually can predict the future. Um, but he is not he's not actually psychic. He's just he's just a genius. And so the anime does a very bad job of establishing this, so I'm gonna go ahead and talk about it here. Um, but Chiriko's symbol, he's because he's only thirteen, um, he doesn't have a good grip on his powers. And they like his symbol disappears and reappears like without his say. And when it's gone, he's just a kid. And he's actually more immature than a regular 13 Yeah, he's um, not a very great kid. Because he's leaned on his intelligence. Um, so he's, 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 not, he's, very, he's not very bright. Um, and he's kind of a crybaby. Um, and in the manga, at one point he admits... And again, this isn't in the anime, so I'm not spoiling anything. At one point in the manga, he admits that the reason he didn't show up early wasn't because he was busy studying. It was because he felt like he wasn't good enough yet because he kept because his symbol kept flickering in and out. So he was like, oh, I shouldn't I shouldn't join them just yet. I'm not quite ready. And he kept kind of pushing it back, pushing it back. And then finally went, oh, shit, they're in trouble. I better I now I have to go. Um, that would have been nice to have been included. Yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good little bit of character development that again the anime doesn't doesn't ever really address and it comes up it comes up later in the manga like like quite a bit later but um, again I didn't feel like it was a big deal for me to mention it here since it's not in the anime um, yeah Chiriko doesn't doesn't have a lot to do so I don't really have anything else to say about them unless you guys do Tim. no no like okay. he does nothing like he he shows up and then we don't see him again like he barely yeah, even spends he... any time on camera. Yeah, he doesn't even really get any cute scenes. Like, there's like there's one scene where Noriko teases Toski about how uh, he could learn a thing or two from Chiriko, um, and like you know devote himself to studying. But I don't even think Chiriko's in that scene, so you don't really get um... Chiriko and Toski end up having kind of a cute little friendship in the manga that uh, doesn't really show up in the anime, which is kind of a bummer. Um, but it's I mean it's it's very like in the margins of the panels, but. Um... But yeah, keep an eye on glimpses of that in the anime, cause cause blink and you and you will miss them. Um, but that's yeah, that's Chidiko, which is a which is a shame, cause I think I think both Chidiko and Mitsukake could have been really kind of fun characters, and we have thus far anyway. Um, you know, I don't want to spoil too much. Uh, we haven't gotten much from either of them, which is uh, I, I will say before it's a big we cast so like very briefly before we move on to uh, toddler murder, I love the Star Festival scene, and I just want oh, every yeah. episode to be Nariko and Toski's rom com because I love them. There's it is delightful. Of, yeah, there's a lot of really good um, ensemble chemistry in these episodes, yes. I feel like. I think, like, I think the really friendships are better to... than the romances in Fushigi Yes. Yugi. Oh, absolutely. And, like, because um, they, they really start to nail, and, like, they're still, you know, poor Mitsukake and Chiriko standing on the sidelines, not really participating in, no. like, anything not being invited along it's very sad um but i mean chiriko's a child I mean, mitsukake well, is an adult i like uh, to i like to imagine that chichiri and mitsukake were like drinking sake on a porch somewhere yeah. just chatting good um, um chatting about their dead their dead girlfriends yeah <laughs> um, but um but like they really like you know the the rest of the group they they really start to nail um their interactions and they really feel like friends like mm -hmm. um yeah they don't like um 
early in the series, one of my complaints is how Miyaka and her friends interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, like her friends, I think are like too too mean to her. Like it doesn't. And there's, there there's doesn't no seem give to be a give and take. take. Just, yeah, there's no give and take. They're just kind of like teasing her for being dumb. Yeah, and time. it's not like it's not like she's teasing them back. Like, because some yeah. friendships are kind of just built on like teasing or arguing. Oh yeah, or, you know, absolutely. I mean, I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I definitely have friendships like that, um, but it has to be back and forth, or it's just mean. Mm-hmm. Like my five year relationship is uh, is founded on us like aggressively flirting by teasing each other. Like, <laughs> but but like um, but yeah. So they. they here we really start to get a sense that like they're teasing each other um back and forth and there's there but there's a lot of affection there and mm-hmm. i really yeah. like i was really appreciating it during these episodes cuz um i kind of have spent the last few years sort of uh dragging Fushigi Yugi for a lot of its character writing and a lot of its dynamics and i forgot that like there are parts where it's really good and once again mm-hmm. this is a major part of the show that I fell in love with when I was 13, 12, 13 years old is that like the characters seemed like they genuinely had fun with each other. Oh yeah. I did. I could not, I did not give really two shits about Tomahome Miyaka, even as a 13 year old watching this. Um, but I loved the side characters and I loved their dynamics with each other. And I just wanted them to hang out forever. Yes. Um, so yeah, no, I I agree with that. Um, although, oh sorry, what were you gonna say? Frank? Oh no no no, please say it because because mine was going to shift a little bit. Oh, I was gonna shift us too. I was going to uh, say that we're not we're not at t- dead toddlers just yet. Right, um, I, I, we have. Um, yeah, because like uh, you mentioned Chichiri's tit girlfriend, and I like dead toddlers are so omnipresent that I forgot that this was also his sad backstory moments. Yeah. Chichiri's advice corner and backstory bodega. Yeah. Okay, I do want to talk about that. Um, do I guess? Oh, I guess we can. No, I want to talk about that after we talk about one other thing, um, because it'll dovetail into some other stuff. Um, so we'll put a pin in that, and we will get to Chichiri, because y'all know I love talking about that boy. It's, um, boy. So, it's your boy, Chichiri. <laughs> it's your boy. Um, no, duh. So um, before we get into that, I do want to talk about uh, Tightscoon pulling Miyako aside and telling her she's got to keep it in her pants. This fucking um, subplot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> It's a very frustrating subplot. Um, Taitsukun tells Miyaka that she uh, needs to be, that the priestess has to be a virgin in order to summon the god and must be quote unquote unspoiled. The uh, Japanese word for that, um, just to bring this up, is um, she's not supposed to be kegare, which um, I actually did a bunch of research on this word for an episode of Yurikuma Arashi like two years ago. Um, so I have a lot of notes on that. Um, it's not. It's not quite, I don't want people to think of it quite in the same way that, like, the concept of, like, sin and, like, you know, you gotta be a virgin before marriage, like, in the Western world, because it's not exactly that. Um, it's more tied to this concept of, um, like, uh, what's what's the word? Like, um, cleanliness, almost. Like, so so things that are right. kagare aren't just sex. It's also, like, uh, blood, childbirth, um bodily fluids in general dirt can, right. can can make you kagare um and so it's less like a it's less like a sin like it's not necessarily like oh i did something um like bad it's more like the gods don't like things that are kagare so if you want to talk to the gods you have to like cleanse yourself and a lot of that was based out of like early ways of making sure people you know stayed clean and didn't like bring a bunch of diseases into into everyone's hey guys. house 
Um, Hygiene is important because the gods, because <laughs> the gods like it. Exactly. Um, but over time and, you know, with, with the introduction of like some Confucian ideals and uh, even a little bit of Buddhism, um, it did end up having some sort of sexist connotations to it in terms of like, oh, women are just constantly kagata because of that menstruation. Mm-hmm. Um which is so I mean like I don't want to pretend like there's there's nothing like I don't want to pretend like there's nothing like slightly sexist or like this idea of like um virgin purity being sort of like idealized because I think that is built into it but it's a little different so I I feel like it's important to kind of keep those cultural contexts in mind it's also the fact that like it does not matter that they're like it's not like it's because they're unmarried like Miyaka and Tamahome could get married tomorrow and and have sex purely for the sake of procreation and it would still be kagare and the gods would not be into it because the body Um, there are body fluids involved right yes um so but yeah so Taitsukun tells her tells Miyaka that you you can't do this thing um, and again, none of this really changes that a lot of this kind of comes down to like sex has, sex is bad. The gods won't like you. Um, but I do want to frame it in the context of the actual, um, the culture where this would be coming from. Um, so I wanted to start with all that. And then I wanted to add that, um, personal as a kid who was really super not into physical intimacy, um, and, and I shouldn't just say was, isn't, um, I, this kind of made me happy because I was like, oh man, I could go into this book and just be awesome at this. Um, which, you know, I mean, I was in, I was in middle school getting ready to go into high school. Like a lot of people around me were all like, let's make out. Or, um, sometimes more than that. Um, even though they were like 14 and probably shouldn't have been. Um, but, uh, so like having a story where like you got to be the hero because if you weren't into like banging made me, made me sort of happy. Um, but that's that's a that's a personal note that has nothing to do with the fact that this is this is culturally and socially kind of bullshit. No, I mean that's um, cute. Fushigi Yugi as like a secret stealth power fantasy for ace kids is cute. Yeah, I, I would like that <laughs> version of the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it's that's what it was. That was that was Watase's point all along. Sure. Yeah, it wasn't about um, <laughs> like if we even yeah. kiss even once, we're gonna bone down. So I have to break up it, with you under false pretenses. Well, yeah, Miyaka's Miyaka's response to this is very silly. Um, because oh, because like, she doesn't talk to him. She doesn't. She doesn't explain it to him. him. She doesn't tell him what's going on. Uh, she finally does when Tamahome forces the issue, which is like the one time a guy being kind of like I, I think he's a little too aggressive. He kind of like put. He doesn't push yeah, her up punch, against the wall, but he kind of does. Punching the wall does. is punching the wall it's, is not okay. It's crossing a line, but like I completely understand his frustration because he's yeah. like he's like we were like clearly very much in love like a day ago. What is going on? Um and he even yeah, knows like, he's like what did Taitsukun tell you? Come on, what what did she say? Um and and then Miyaka still kind of tries to play it off. So I and then and I will give Tamahome credit. Um after Miyaka explains it, he's like, "Okay, if that's what we have to do. Okay. It's going to suck." He's like that sucks. Right. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. I I, well, I wish one thing Listen, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was. I wish we could have skipped straight to that as opposed to the, the bullshit beforehand that only yeah. lasts. Yeah. Thankfully, 10 it's minutes. only like. Thankfully, it's only like one episode, but it is. It is bullshit. Um, yeah. And the one. That, that... The one thing I will. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead, Caitlin. Um. I mean, it was. You know, it's all about inserting dramatic tension. I do want to say that scene has probably the most expressive animation, in like. That whole episode is like 90% garbage animation, but then that one yeah. scene has this incredible expressive animation. Mm-hmm. Like just like every like ed, like every they're expressing their emotions with every inch of their bodies. Um Yeah. 
They're very frustrated like, about like, the fact that they're just super the best horny in the <laughs> whole stretch of episodes. Yeah, it does look very good. Um, and the one the one thing I will say for this is is you know obviously like like we said like this kind of like putting putting virginity on a pedestal stuff is 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 bullshit. Um, the the thing I will kind of give Fushigi Yugi is Miyaka and Tamahome's reactions to it are basically like yeah this is bullshit. Um, and I do kind of like that. It's it's again we've talked about like how Fushigi Yugi is kind of a kind of has like a snapshot quality to it. And Taitsukun telling Miyaka, like, you you can't do this thing very much feels like like these social cultural pressures enforced on teenagers by like these outside authority figures. And this sense of like, oh well, we can't do this because if we do, like, you know, we'll be we'll be shunned or judged or et cetera. Um and the fact that they're frustrated by it and they hate it, um is I don't know. I guess it's, it is at least true to life. If 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 not if not the best um, the best message necessarily. Oh yeah, I think that uh, I think that holds together until some of the later stuff involving the virginity subplot. At which point it gets a lot more skeevy. Yeah, yeah. we'll we'll get we'll we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, I'm just talking about about in in this particular moment. I did because in my head I had forgotten how like angry Miyaka and Tamahome are about the fact that they that they can't bone down. Um, and I'm like, guys, all, they just said virginity. You can still make out ferociously. <laughs> like you've been, you've been smooching up to this point. Um, you yeah. Can, you can keep smooching. Clearly, that hasn't had an effect. Um, so, but they apparently decide that that they just would never be able to control themselves. So they decide to to temporarily break up. I guess is the way I would describe it. Um, and that's again, I, I definitely wanted to talk about that. Um, I feel like I, I feel like I sort of said all the words do you guys have anything else you want to add yeah no i, th um, I think that's the... a that's a good point yeah. like just looking at it where it is that works mm -hmm. yeah um yeah i i you know and i did want to talk about the um so you know the scene where miyaka chichiri's fishing and miyaka just sort of comes over and sits down next to him and starts talking about like her what she, what she's been going through i think is sort of the most emotionally honest part of this one of the most emotionally honest series scenes in the whole series because mm -hmm. like she, you know she's very much about keeping uh the like keeping up a brave front until like it cracks and then it's all like kind of histrionics um you know everything like ev ev everything is just like very very strong with her so this quiet moment where she actually sits down with him and talks about calmly what she's going through mm -hmm. and her insecurities and like how hard it is for her but she's not like weeping and wailing um i really like that sort of like quiet moment um and you know and then and and i think that quiet moment is what allows chichiri to open up about what happened to him because if everything is, you know, he's he he's an adult, <laughs> and he's, if he's a, surrounded he's by adult, teenage yes. by teenage hysterics all the time, like um, he's not gonna have any time to sort of talk about himself. Um, yeah, I think up to, well, and I think up to this point, well, like, I mean, he's clearly kind of kind of uh, 
a guy who kind of keeps things close to yes, the chest. I mean, he literally true. wears a mask. So there's that There's that to start with. Like, I think he's not the kind of person who opens up, like, willy-nilly anyway. Um, and then, like you said, like, up to this point, it's kind of in the sense of, like, well, I'm babysitting the kids. Um, no no time for me. Um, and then, and I think he opens up as much to kind of help Miyaka as he does. Like, I don't think this is for him at all. Like, he's like, I feel comfortable enough to tell her this thing, but I'm also telling her it kind of to give her an almost a worst case scenario and then to say and then to say like you know uh the communication is important and not lashing out and so like good on you uh kind of yeah just you know this quiet moment of mentorship um which i thought was really nice no i think it is i think there's i think there's a lot of really good stuff that comes out of it um I think Miyaka vocalizes a lot of things we've we've talked about about her character, like how she kind of wishes she had a mask that she could wear to smile all the time, um, which is very much that part of her that feels like she can't tell anyone about like when she's upset um, and how she she talks a lot. She talks a couple of times in this episode about this idea of like, is it is it asking too much to want to have both Tamahome and Yui to both want to have like a close romance and a, and a close friendship? Um, and I think that a lot of her conversation with Chichiri kind of. Uh, spins back to that that central frustration of hers that like I don't want to have to compete even though everyone's telling me I'm supposed to right and and the show sort of recognizes that she's stuck like there's no there's no easy answers for her at that moment if you just do the right thing then like you'll get what you want you'll live happily ever after with everyone who loves you um that that may not like you know I feel like a lot of um, series aimed at teenagers sort of have this very gung-ho idea. It's like, well, if you just, you know, do your best, everyone will understand and you'll figure it out and you'll get everything, you know, you'll get what you want in the end because you have honest intentions and the show's take some moments like maybe it won't work out that way like yeah they're, when they're, you know, if, if nothing else they're like it's a lot more complicated than just you know be honest and everything's fine yeah. um so um and i do I think, yeah, I think a lot of the stuff, I think this, the, I think the kind of what Chichiri talks to her about is, is very important. Like he says, like, he's like, you didn't do anything wrong. Um, he's like, I don't think Yui really did either. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but I think at the very, I think at least early on, Yui didn't do anything wrong. I absolutely agree with that. Um, and it, it's a good moment. It makes me sad because I love my boy and watching the show, um, the first time through, I remember getting to this point. I already, he was already my favorite character. And I, because he was like, you know, goofy and kind of fun. And, and then this happened. I was like, oh no, he's sad too. <laughs> and then, and then there, and then there, and then my heart had been handed over. And that was that. Um, but I can't get into it too much because um, one thing that's very interesting about this is um, not to spoil anything, but we will return to this. We will get this story again from a different angle is what I will say. Um, and it's, and it is interesting. What is interesting about this, about what we're told right now is that this is from his perspective. This is what he tells Miyaka, the way he sees this going down. And we will get it from a more, from a uh, more distant perspective later. And that will kind of change things. So I don't want to talk too terribly much about the specifics. Um, but I think kind of the, I think the important parts about it are um, kind of, a warning to Miyaka. Um, also, it sheds a lot, a lot of light on a lot of Chichiri's past actions where you were like, oh, he's just a nice guy. And he is a nice guy. But like, also like his, you know, his sympathy for Hotahori, um, his willingness to to really let Miyaka like put her life at danger anytime Yui's involved. Um, 
like when Miyaka gets captured, and he's like, you is not going to let her die. It's fine. Don't worry. Um, I think a lot of that um, sort of comes into light when you when you get more of his his own kind of back backstory experiences and this sense of like I would like these kids to not make the same mistakes I did if I can if I can do that. So uh, this is why it's important to have a mentor figure around. Um, uh, the one thing he does say that I that I did sort of highlight is he makes a point of like basically like um, he says whichever one you take you'll lose the other, which I think is very sharply covered colored by his own experiences and is kind of what Miyaka is trying to avoid. Um, so I think kind of the question going forward is if Miyaka is able to find a way where you don't have to choose between love and friendship, like if if there is a way to to bridge those gaps and find a way to uh, repair both those relationships. Um, and the final, like, really important thing he says is, he says, I guarantee Yui loves you. Um, and that's, and that's why in the end, I think, I think the two of you will be able, this, this will work. You'll be able to save her. Um, and I think that, I think that that's, I think that's what Miyaka needed to hear in that moment. I think he says some stuff that she needed to hear that's like harsh, but then he also tells her some things that are true that she maybe didn't know. Um, and I think that one's really important because at this point they are going to be directly competing for these Shinzaho. Um, and so I think, I think me, um, it's going to be harder and harder for Miyaka not to see Yui as like an enemy. And so having that assurance from somebody else who has kind of met Yui, um, I think that's good for her too. Well, and it's set up as a nice contrast to the uh, the Yui scene, which is essentially the same mentor pep talk, but uh, relentless gaslighting. Oh. Yeah, Nakago is terrible. There's a lot of kind of interesting mirror um, work done this week between Miyaka and Yui. Like, there's the moment early on where Miyaka, um, where Hotohori kind of starts to mack on Miyaka, and then, like, Tomahome, Bizarro Tomahome is macking on Yui, and it's like, they're very similar-looking scenes. Um and then, and then, like you said, like with the with the different mentors, and it's like, oh, one of these mentors is a good person, the other one is the worst. Uh, Not even a, a big, fun trash a boy, problem. just an asshole. No, Naka goes. Uh, what, why does he likes him for reasons I do not comprehend? He's he's the he's terrible because he's um, pretty. No, but he, you can I tell mean, eh. you can tell when she likes a villain character because they're pretty. Yeah, that maybe that's it. Um, but I did, okay, so actually I think this is a good, um, sorry, uh, did, Brian, did you have anything else to say about, um, No, no there's, that, there's nothing more we can, um, no, I, I think you guys covered it, like, well. Cool, I like that, I like that scene a lot, and he's, he is my, it's possible I've seen that scene, like, an, an obscene number of times, <laughs> because it's possible I wrote a lot of fan fiction. Oh. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, that's not, that's neither here nor there. Um, no, I think that's a good, I think that's a good dovetail into Yui and the, the stuff going on in Kuto, which we haven't had a chance to talk about yet. And then, finally, we will cap with Dead Toddlers. Um, the event you've been waiting but, for. But yeah, I, I do want to, I do want to definitely touch on, on Yui and her, and her Seryu, her trash Sarayu fan her garbage Sarayu family that's better uh trash is trash can be good garbage is not um so um there are two kinds of things with Yui that I um I was personally kind of wanting to discuss um one of them was um I think the series is I think the series walks a very careful tightrope with this um idea of like um Feelings versus actions, I guess is how I would word it. Um, there's a moment when Tomahome's leaving, when he's no longer Bizarro and he's leaving. 
and he says to Yui, he says, I sympathize with what happened to you, but I can't. And he's, he uses the word yudasu, which the subtitles translate as forgive. But I think it's probably better to be something closer to like, I can't excuse what you've done yeah. like to me and to Miyaka. Um, and I think that, I think it's, I think it's really easy when you have um, characters who have gone through the kind of trauma that Yui has. I think it's really easy to either completely vilify them um, or completely woobify them. Um, and make it like, oh, nothing they do is their fault. Poor babies, they're just acting out. Um, and I, it's a real careful tightrope, but I think Fushigi Yugi is trying to walk this line of going, no, what happened to you is absolutely terrible. That having been said, she did drug this guy and force him to kind of become like her love slave. Um, like, like, and that's not cool. Like, like, like your own, like, <laughs> like cool. just because you're like your own hurt does not excuse you hurting others, I think is, right. is, right. is what's sort of happening there. Yeah. And I think that it's interesting, like, because he's talking specifically about what she did to him, which is definitely an action she takes on her own. Because like, I, I do, I'm so, def like, I'm so almost defensively team Yui at this point because I keep, I, I just like her so much. Um, but, and, and, and like, yeah, like she pulled some bullshit with Tamahome and I think that's that's yeah she broke up their relationship and she tried to override somebody's own will because she liked them but then a lot of the the larger actions she takes Nakago is always around pushing her to do things against her better yeah. judgment yeah no and there is there's absolutely an, an aspect of a lot of of Yui's character in that she is being um manipulated and gaslighted as we have talked about by um a what like I think Nakago is like 10 years older than her I mean he's in his 20s yeah. at least he might not be quite that much he's... older um, I think he's like by, the by, oldest character by an adult. I mean, she is, you know, but, but my point being like by an adult character who is, you know, who is very much like every scene we see of him, he is, he is working her in some way. Yeah. Like um, whenever he, he, he says something to her, the scene ends with him sort of smiling sinisterly. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so, you know, and I, again, we, we always kind of, we always have like a Yui watch, right. like, is the show turning, is the show turning her into like a straight up villain? Um, and, you know, and how does that play into like what we know about her as a character? And then like, or is it, you know, and I, so I think at this point she doesn't read like as nothing but a victim, which I think is good, but um, I also don't think she reads like a villain, um, especially after like that conversation Miyaka and Chichiri have. I think that conversation really frames it in kind of a way of like, there's a lot going on here, but she's not a bad person and she'll be like, like you can still help her and get her out of this terrible situation, yeah. hopefully. Like it's, um, it's, she's done bad things that are unquestionably bad things she should atone yes. for, but she hasn't done anything unforgivable because like, yeah, Mi Miyaka and Tomohome are together again now. I mean, he they died, um, but... And she's, and she's 15, so... I mean, yeah. he, he, he bled out a little bit. He didn't actually die. <laughs> um, he, he, you know, he was only mostly dead. I've learned, I've learned from the Princess Bride there's a big difference. Um, but, and you know, I mean, for all that, Yui is very... Uh, she's very kind to Suboshi after he loses his brother. Um, which I think is a good scene to have there is, um, is Yui being like, I oh, completely speak, understand no. the trauma you're going through. Um, go ahead and cry. Uh, like, I think Yui <laughs> needed somebody to do that for her yeah. and they didn't. Um, it's a damn shame Nakago then immediately gets in Suboshi's head and works him the yeah. way he works Yui. Speaking um, of woobified villains. <laughs> oh yeah, you, you treated Suboshi, you said that the first time you watched this through Suboshi was a big wooby to you, right? Oh, yeah. Like, you it's... were just like, poor baby, he's so sad. Yeah. Um, it's... Yeah. 
once again, it goes back to I sympathize what happened to you, but I can't excuse. What right. you like did. speaking of brain, like um, speaking of bad versus unforgivable actions. Yeah, I think um, which you know, hey, actually, this is this is the segue, you guys. We found the segue. Uh, Nakago <laughs> Nakago uses Tsuboshi's raw teenager feelings to spin them into the most destructive possible outlet. Um, which again does not, I'm not, again, just because Suboshi's being manipulated does not excuse what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, so Suboshi decides that he's going to go to Tamahome's house and murder his entire family. Yep. And then we, the audience, get to experience that basically like as it's happening a little bit. Um, so here we are, guys. Here we are at the end of part one, dead toddlers. Um, <laughs> thoughts? Um... I kind of find it relentlessly emotionally manipulative. Like, I find the scene where yeah, he's burying yeah. them a lot more effective than the actual dying toddler yeah, moment. It is. No. The actual dying toddler is. has. I don't think it's ever. Maybe the first I time I watched the show, it got me. But... hate Yui Ren. She is my his, least favorite character in this whole thing. His, his little sister. She does not act yeah. remotely like a five-year-old. She's the most, um, like, she's just sort of there to say cutesy things and, oh yeah, like, make the, like, and when she's alive, she does it to make, oh, Miyaka and Tomahome are blushing embarrassed, and then, like, yeah. And then now, oh, God, like, yeah, she is sugary cute. And the scene with her, like, dying in his arms is, I agree. Like, I find that, I find it relentlessly emotionally manipulative. And the whole thing is, but that scene to me feels the worst because it really does feel like, what's the saddest possible thing I could do here? (laughs) Oh, yes, dying toddler. Um, That's, that's the one. And then, but then there's, but, you know, I mean, I say it's emotionally manipulative, but there's still moments later on in the episode where, and every time I tear up, um, oh, it, God. it gets me. When he, um, when he actually, when he finds Chue, Chue? holding, and holding he thinks the he tried, and he, yeah, and he remember, and he realizes he tried to protect him. That moment, that moment that kind of wrecks was what me. Got me. That that was yeah. the, the moment that really got me. Yeah, that moment, that moment gets me. And then, and then, like Rai was saying, when he's when he's burying them, and Miyaka kind of comes out to try to to try to kind of comfort him, and he's like, I can't stop crying, and I really just need you to leave me alone. Um, that to me um, is that rawness, that kind of emotional honesty that I think when Fushigi nails it, nails it very. It's very affecting, and that and that 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 after effect of Tamahome just being upset and not and not playing it in the way that a lot of romance series play it, where like Miyaka like hugs him back to to being better. He's like, no, I I need some time right now. Um, I thought that that was really good, like as opposed to the as opposed to the very, um, I guess just like cliche. Um, just very kind of um, calculated. That's the word of, of Yui Ren dying in his arms. Like that feels very calculated to me. And a lot of the, the rest of it feels, um, even if the event itself is still a very calculated, like let's cause Tamahome some pain. Right. And also um, free least... him up to not, you know, worry about things besides Miyaka now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is something we'll, we'll be able to get into more. Like um, I think next week, because we don't really see a lot of the after effects of this at this point. Um, um, by the way, why didn't they move his family into the palace a lot earlier? Yeah, Hodahori, what the fuck? Well, because they were still rivals in love, guys, <laughs> and Hodahori couldn't do anything nice early. Um, no, I don't. I don't know. That they is... really like they're like Tomahomi's village is like on the border. They should have moved his family into the into the city like a long time that ago. That is a massive plot hole, honestly. Like. It was a mistake. I think I think maybe the idea was like, well, we don't want to force them to leave their home. 
and they're, Tomahome is around. They're, so they're it's beautiful, fine. spacious And now Tomahome home. is going to be like overseas. So huh? their beautiful, spacious home that they that they would love so I'm much. So, well, I mean, it's still home. I'm sure they've all grown up there. I'm, I'm sure they would be loath to leave unless it was, you know. Um, so I could, I, I can kind of see why yeah. it took a little while, but it should have at that, least been brought up seems, sooner. That just seems like a justification. Sorry, it is. It's, no, I. You're right. It is. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's yeah. No, it's it's um. That always irritated me. Is like his family's there. Living in poverty, sick dad. Tom Homie's in the like goddamn palace. He's basically a government employee by now. Like, what are they doing? He is an essential person to the empire. Yeah, like, and I get, I get Tom Homie not feeling like he could ask, but it should have Hotohori should have mentioned it or me. Somebody, it should have been offered. Yeah, at least. Oh, um, but anyway, because yeah, he is, he is basically a government employee. And this all could have been avoided. Um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. But then how would we be sad? So so what you're telling me is it's all Hotohori's fault. Yes, I'm willing to <laughs> confirm to this narrative. <laughs> Everything is Hotohori's fault. That's that is that is, is by consensus the answer here. He is the actually here. the stealth villain of the series. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> um no, and it is like so it's emotionally manipulative, agreed. Um and it's it's kind of shitty that essentially it is there to forward um it's the moment that Miyaka realizes that she's willing to fight the Seiryu warriors, not Yui, but the Seiryu warriors, because they're, they've done, they've done something that is unforgivable. Um, and child, yeah, I'm going to go with unforgivable. Uh, and, and you get the sense, I don't know how explicit it is in the narrative, but, uh, you definitely get the sense that that is why Nakago did it. That's why he pointed the the rage machine that was Tsuboshi in the direction of that family is to push Miyaka towards actively um, be, not decla- I mean Yui's going to see it as her like declaring war because now they both now Yui was willing to just give up if Miyaka didn't go after the Shinzaho and now Miyaka is is raring to go and. Now Yui feels like, oh, well, it's a competition now and I can't let her win. So if she's going to do it, then so am I. Um, Yui is very reactive in that sense. And I think that I think that ties into this idea that she's working very, very hard to hate Miyaka um, that Chichiri talks about. Maybe that's why I, I'm so willing to bend over backwards to like see her side of things is because she is so frequently robbed of agency and basically everything. She is. She, she frequently is. Yeah. And well, and some of it is, is she she kind of herself. Um, frames it that way as uh, frames it that way or um, willingly takes a semi-passive role like in this situation where she goes well I'm not going to do anything until Miyaka does and then Miyaka does and she goes okay well now it's okay now if I have I do to do it. something yeah, yeah. Uh, so she kind of tries to I think moments like that show you Yui's mentality and how from her perspective Miyaka's the villain yeah. mm-hmm. a little bit she or how she's Miyaka trying to see it that yeah. way yeah 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 um, Miyaka as, as the aggressor in this situation. Um, so that will be the mentality of the characters as we, uh, as we barrel into part two. Uh, so on the downside, you know, we ended on, we ended on some, some, a lot of, a lot of dead topics. <laughs> uh, on the bright side, Hotohori has been written out of the show. Hooray! Uh, on the other downside, it's very possible he was somehow the glue that held this messy but entertaining enterprise together. <laughs> but that is a story for another podcast. <laughs> 
as we move into part two, which is, again, an, we're trying not to spoil anything, but we also don't want people to be blindsided. Part two is, part one is, is messy, but there's, some po there's a lot of positives, and it is, I think it is very fun, if nothing else. Um, part two loses a lot of those adjectives I just described for at least part of it. Not for the whole thing, but for at least part uh, of it. Spoiler alert, um, I asked to lead next week. <laughs> yeah, Vry's leading next week, and there's there might be... Uh, Bring bring your margaritas because we got lots of salt. Uh, <laughs> let me put it like that. Uh, next, yeah. So next week, things things are probably going to take a more critical bent than they have up to this point. And and knowing knowing me and my horrible nostalgia goggles, I will still probably pull something emotional out of the damn thing. But uh, you know, any other thoughts? I don't think so. We had a lot of feelings this time. Apparently, Fushi Yugi, it will make you feel an emotion. <laughs> You will have an emotion. <laughs> TM. <laughs> that indeed. Uh, and and I think I think that was very much the case this week. So yeah, no, that was. I think we we got through everything that I had noted down. So if y'all are good, um, I can. And we we did we did go over. So I had a feeling we might. So that's that's all good. Um, I'll talk. I have some other fun kind of supplementary material, but I'll wedge that into one of our later podcasts. We'll probably just shout for thirty minutes and then run out of things to talk about. So uh, it'll be all good. Um, okay. So that having been said, uh, that's gonna do it for that's. Ugh, I'll start over. That's going to do it for today's watch along. Uh, for those of you following along at home, our next Fushigi Yugi podcast will cover episodes 28 through 35. Um, so it's another seven episoder, but 28 is a recap episode. So there's not really going to be anything for us to talk about there. You can watch it if you need to, um, but it's, it's just a straight recap. There's no extra material in it. After the, after the recap is over, we will put on our parkas and head off for some adventures in the frozen north with Miyaka and her merry band of warriors. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chatty AF. If you like what you heard, tell your friends or leave a nice review for us on iTunes. And if you really like what you heard, please consider tossing a dollar or more to our Patreon each month. Your support goes a long way towards making Anime Feminist happen, both in print and in your earbuds. If you're interested in more from the team and our contributors, please check us out at www.animefeminist.com, on Facebook at Anime Fem, on Tumblr at Anime Feminist, and on Twitter at Anime Feminist. And that's the show. Thanks for listening, homies. Be sure to throw down your own thoughts in the comments, and we will catch you next time. Bye.